Welcome to this podcast from DTB. My name is David Fazakli. I'm DTB's Deputy Editor. Hello, I'm James Cave, Editor-in-Chief. So in this podcast, unlike our usual roundup of what's in the journal, we're just going to focus on one issue. And that's an article that we have published that looks at the use of melatonin for treating jet lag. And while we're familiar with melatonin as a licensed product for managing insomnia in patients aged 55 and older and for younger uh, children aged 2 to 18, uh, this is the first one to be actually licensed in the UK for the management of jet lag. And what particularly interests us is that this is something that we've focused on in the past. We looked at it in 1998. Uh, So it's interesting now that we've got a licensed product available. Let's go back and have a look at some of the basics then. What about jet lag? What's the issue? Yes, well, I think anyone who's experienced jet lag um, knows actually it can be pretty rotten. You just can't sleep. You've got mental fog. You've got fatigue. Um, you may some people even get sort of quite nasty gastrointestinal disturbances. So, it's a it's a well recognised phenomenon. Particularly um, flying east seems to be more of an issue, and I think a lot of people typically when they're coming back to the UK from the west, from the states, or from South America, often will describe being uh, you know, knocked for six for some days after. And it does seem that there's quite a bit of science behind, behind this. And you, if you look at the research, there's a lot of work about things that we can do to try and minimise the effect of, of jet lag. Some of the ones that people have talked about, what do they include? Yeah, so there's all kinds of uh, ideas behind, you know, if you're going for a short break, try and maintain yourself in your home-based sleep hours rather than adopting your destination sleep hours. There's also this issue of using light as a sort of trigger for yourself um, or actually avoiding bright light, um, you know, trying to get yourself into the right time zones. Although, interestingly enough, um, the evidence to support many of these interventions is actually um, pretty inconclusive and and conflicting. I mean, notwithstanding, there seems to be also a lot of advice out there about how you should think about uh, preparing for travel or at least adjusting to travel about phase advance and phase delay, depending whether you're going east or west. And it all seems to get quite complicated. Yes, I think you have to be very, very well organised you know, to do some of these lifestyle changes. And of course, for most people, travel is something which they're doing on a regular basis. And the concept of them being able to sort of spend a couple of days preparing themselves for it is, is frankly never going to happen. So we've got a limited evidence base of other things we can do. But here we have melatonin that's been licensed. Uh, let's talk a bit about how it was licensed and the we're used to a licensing process, but this one was slightly different. It was. It was interesting because it's actually been available in Hungary for the treatment of jet lag for more than 10 years. So, in fact, the company didn't have to submit any new efficacy data, but simply provided a, a clinical overview on the basis of 10 randomised trials and four systematic reviews that were actually done between 1986 and 2005. So we've got a body of evidence, not huge. Uh, Each of the trials are quite small, and they are from quite a while ago. And the other thing that struck me was that the form or type of melatonin used in each one, it wasn't always clear what the source was. Exactly. We've got 10 studies, only five describe the composition and formulation of melatonin. And then if you look at the Cochrane Review published in 2002 that tried to pull together this evidence, um, they were actually only able to use um, uh, four studies to actually give ourselves um, some combination of the data. And that 
amounted to 142 participants in total. So you can see the, the weight of evidence here uh, is not great. And when you dig into those studies, they are different populations traveling for different reasons. They might be athletes, they might be pilots, they might be business people. So you've got a kind of very disparate population that you're trying to compare anyway. And when it comes to the outcome, the studies use various different outcomes, but the one that the Cochrane focused on was overall sort of global rating of jet lag, which was based on a sort of naught to 100 scale. And what did they find? So they found that if you compared um, melatonin with placebo, there was a mean difference in rating of, of minus 19.5 on the score because 100 was very bad and naught was no symptom. So on the visual analog score, you saw a reduction of about 1920 points for eastward flight melatonin versus placebo and a reduction of about 17 for westward flights so it's that sort of measure um, of, of change so but it appeared that people who didn't have uh, melatonin scored their jet lag at about 40 45 and therefore the people who had melatonin it dropped to what about 27, 20s 28? yeah 20s and 30s so they didn't get rid of it no so you've still got jet lag symptoms they're just it's just not as not as bad Yes, and one of the difficult issues as well is that there was the adverse effects of the melatonin was not really adequately assessed in many of these trials. So we're not sure whether was there an element here where the melatonin might have been having an impact on people's subjective scores as well. So still quite a lot of unanswered uh, questions about about the use of, of melatonin. The other interesting point was that going back to what we said earlier about it can get quite complicated about when you time interventions to, to manage jet jet lag actually in most of these people just took it at bedtime yes and, and, and you know when we were writing up this article we did tie ourselves in knots a little bit about this didn't we because it was very complicated to work out what the evidence really showed about when you should take your melatonin but the licensed product that's now available says you should take it at bedtime on the day of travel and then at bedtime on subsequent days the dose so the licensed dose is three milligrams daily or six milligrams daily if your three milligrams doesn't basically work, but for a maximum of five days for one course, if you like, and they suggest that you shouldn't use it for more than 16 courses each year. Now, the big question is, should this be available as part of National Health Service prescribing? Or is this something that we would expect people to buy for themselves? Yes, this is interesting because, of course, the NHS um, doesn't cover you for conditions that occur whilst abroad. So, uh, in theory, if you uh, develop um, jet lag when you're away, that's not the NHS's problem. Uh, of course, if you develop jet lag on the way back, um, that does become the NHS problem. So it is a difficult one uh, in the sense of from, from the legal point of view, if you like. Um, but I think, you know, in 1998, we suggested that um, we were concerned about it and we weren't sure whether we could recommend it. And I, you know, I don't think we've really changed our tune very much in the sense that it does seem to be that the evidence is, is slight um, and... Uh, we certainly don't believe that the NHS should be funding its use. Yes, there's evidence that it, it does reduce uh, symptoms, global symptoms of jet lag. But as you say, the evidence, how strong is it? 
doesn't feel like something that the NHS should should be providing on a routine basis and therefore I think we'd urge that it's something that's not made available through the NHS. Yeah, so, so you're right. Basically, we have a short-term problem uh, which is actually very variable amongst people uh, and the evidence for it, for its benefit, is you know neither here nor there. Uh, so I think it is something which we probably would suggest that GPs don't start prescribing. I think I've, I have concerns also perhaps that there's a risk that you'll get um, license creep here and the issue here that you know perhaps it'll be used for people for, for sleep in general um, and that's probably not a, not a good way of do, dealing with that. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, to read this and any of our other articles, please visit our website at dtp.bmj.com. <laughs>